Hey guys, and welcome to Off the Beaten Clef. This week, we're doing something a little special. We have a friend with us, uh, Cody Garrett. What's so, up? What's up? Hey, what's up? Thanks for having me. So, uh, we'll get into it. Her favorite song, the one by Tim McGraw, about a barbecue stain on a white t-shirt, or something like that. Lord knows I can't dance, but if he gave me a chance, I would take her by the hand and spin her around that dance floor. Will we make it longer than a one-night stand, or are we fading away like the stain on the back of our hands? What's up, guys? Welcome to Off the Beaten Clef. Like I mentioned before, we have Cody Garrett with us today, uh, country music star. Um, I'm going to give you a little... I wrote a little biography for you. You ready to hear it? Let's hear it. I, I, I need a good one, so okay. yeah, I want to hear it. <laughs> I'll do it like a, a movie trailer. Hold on. <clears throat> Cody Garrett is an Ohio-born country artist from right outside Middletown, Ohio. I can't do that anymore. Uh, <laughs> well, you started off like, real poor because yeah. you your I, voice cracked. Uh, Cody Garrett. Yeah. I thought we were going to get like some Sam Elliott vibes no. on this one. Cody Garrett. <laughs> Cody Garrett. Born just outside Middletown, Ohio. <laughs> That's good. Keep rolling with that. <laughs> the Ford um, F-150. <laughs> uh, so Cody is uh, an Ohio-born country artist right outside of Middletown, Ohio. And in the last few years, has moved to Nashville, Tennessee. Cody has two five-song EPs, the Outskirt EPs from 2017, Nashville to You from 2018, and he has three singles, Sunburn from 2017, One More from February 2021, and most recently, Stamps from June 2021. Cody is featured on the New New Music Nashville playlist on Spotify, and his last two singles have over 11,000 listens each on Spotify. We're happy to have you on, Cody. Thanks, dude. Yeah, man. Appreciate that. Good on. bio. Yeah, yeah I'm going to use that Good one. Good words. Yeah. <laughs> Spotify is more than welcome to have that. <laughs> so how you been, man? Great, man. I'm, I'm loving Nashville. It's uh, it's, it's a weird changeover moving to a, a big city like it is, but I miss home. But uh, but yeah, I'm living life and, and loving it. Yeah. Uh, welcome back, Kev. Thanks. Appreciate it. I don't always <laughs> this is my podcast We're too struggling along. <laughs> so no that kind of leads into my first question for you actually cody is like well what was the decision to pick up and move to nashville like and like what was the actual deciding factor to do it um so when i when i started getting more serious into doing country music and and songwriting and stuff i, I found it i found that i had a ceiling here and you know from my trips to nashville and knowing people that that moved to nashville to do it down there um whether it was playing live or writing with other people, writing better songs, it, it just seemed like the right thing to do. And I mean, mostly everybody that's succeeded has made the move to Nashville in yeah. the country music industry. So, um, yeah, it just seemed like the right thing to do. And it's, um, I think it's paying off a little bit. I think my songs are getting slowly better. You can quality's you, getting a lot better. You can hear it in the two singles you've released yeah. this year. Yeah. It sounds professionally done. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Uh, who, do you how do you record your music? Like, do you are you with a record label or are you? No, I'm completely independent. Um, I use um, shout out my producer uh, Jake Partial, but um, basically we just produce with him, and uh, you know I go in cut vocals, and we bring in musicians for for everything. Um, I had on my newest one stamps. I had Eric Church's uh, bass player, John Party's uh, steel guitar player. Um, the drummer was on some of Luke Combs' old stuff. Um, my other one, one more, was Shania Twain's bass player. I mean, it's just it's just guys across the spectrum that are you know session guys that that you know hundred bucks here and there to yeah. to play on people's songs and they like doing it. And well, that's got to be one of the main advantages of being down there, mm-hmm. right? Is those guys are probably trying to do their own solo shit too. Right, the bars down there and trying to book their own gigs and yeah. But then you like you said, they're also session guys, so that's yeah. that's pretty cool. They're the best in the biz, about, yeah. That, that, that's really cool, man. Like you, that's, I never would have thought about that. So yeah. Yeah. Are you writing a lot of songs down there or how, how are you, uh, doing outside of your solo stuff? Um, probably doing, probably writing, trying to write at least like three songs a week. Um, I, I do a little bit of writing every single day in the mornings normally, or, or whenever I have time, really, I'm always putting weird notes on my phone of song titles and one liners, sure. the stuff I hear at the grocery store or something, but. Um, but I do a lot of co-writing with, with at least two other people, sometimes three, three other people. Um, I don't have any other, any other cuts with any other artists yet. So 
Um, just just cutting the best ones I write yeah. <laughs> for right now and holding some of the other ones for, for other stuff. So, Well, yeah, that was going to be one of my questions too because yeah. I've heard other artists talk about like how they were coming up through Nashville. I forget who it was on Pardon My Take, but um, he talked about his time in Nashville and how he would basically – he would write more songs for other people than he did for himself. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of what kept him afloat, like kept him like able to be down in Nashville. Yeah. So is it kind of that weird kind of dichotomy where you're writing stuff for yourself, obviously, but you're also trying to like get your songs sold and played by other people. It is. Yeah. Kind of, kind of the best songs you write, you, you kind of hold on to, if, if you're an artist and doing the artist thing and songwriting, you kind of get your best songs and hold them for a little bit. You can pitch them to some guys. If you have, if you have the right relationships with people, if you know the right people at, at labels or, um, you know, publishing companies that can get your stuff out. Um, it really just depends though. It, it depends if it's, if it's a song that's fitting for me and it's very relatable to me and means, means something to me. I will, I'll, I'll hold on to it and cut it just cause I like it. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, it just depends on, you know, whatever, if the artist thing's more important or the, the songwriting thing is more important or they're just kind of just tackling to it's gotta be tough like writing a song and then someone else like (laughs) getting credit for it you're like that's my song yeah there's so many sam hunt songs and chris mm -hmm. stapleton songs that you're like yeah damn i bet they wish they had that one back yeah it's it's weird that you know growing up you don't really think about the people that write the songs you just think of the artist on the radio singing the song and you don't think about you know the person that wrote that song wrote all these other songs for other people and they've got a big name and they've made a lot of money off of, you know, people cutting their songs. It's, um, it's, it's kind of a hidden gem that a lot of people don't think about. Yeah. I feel like that's kind of unique to a country as well. Like where it's just, there's this, you, there's this hub in Nashville where all these people are trying to make it and they're all super talented and they're all, you know, your big name can pluck a good song here or there from somebody's trying to make it and maybe get them. And I mean, that's, that's mm-hmm. Chris Stapleton's story, right? Like, right. I mean, he was a, sing- a songwriter forever, and then he started, you know, g- gaining some traction for his own talent. And I don't know. I think that's pretty cool. I, I don't know. That's just – it seems – I don't know if that's true, but to me it seems like that's pretty unique to country where you've got that one giant hub of everybody doing everything. There yeah, it is. It helps that it's very welcoming there too. Yeah. Uh, everyone's everyone's chasing the, ch- the same dream, but a lot of people don't see it as competition. Everybody's trying to, you know, get rich off of, you know, other people's ideas and – stuff but also contributing to each other and helping each other um i've i've made myself better just by writing with other people that you know seeing stuff from different angles and and uh, things like that so um yeah it's pretty cool it's it's really cool down there kind of like iron sharpens iron kind yeah of? yeah that's cool i like that a lot uh have you ever like reconsidered like wanting to go back and touch up some of your old songs or do you like them i've thought about it um, there's a couple that, that are kind of important to me that I've written, you know, my first two EPs were all 10 songs were solely written by me. Plus my sunburn single was written just by myself. Um, I've thought about maybe going back and touching up a couple lines and maybe re-recording a few just cause I, I hate the quality of my first EP and like, that's kind of the appeal of them too though. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Um, it's kind of like its own flavor and it would be cool to re-record some of them with, with some, some great quality that I'm doing now, but, um, I don't know. It's, it's a thought maybe down the road. Here's a question I've had. And I, I've always meant to ask artists this, like, how does your wife think about songs that are written about exes? <laughs> oh, it's, like, it gets brought up every time. It, it, like I, it, I, I figured it would like, Oh, you're going to go perform that song about your ex again. Yeah. huh? Like just rehashing that. Yeah. You don't, you don't know how many times I've heard. So who's this about? <laughs> Cause this was before we <laughs> <Yeah>. met <laughs> or like, or like, uh, one of my songs has like something about a green eyed girl. It's like, I don't have green eyes. Yeah. That's tough. <laughs> yeah. yeah re record it. Wipe that EP out. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That, that's something that's always like, that's gotta be tough to like basically rehash your diary. Yeah. And like, even if you're past where you were then, like you gotta go back and relive that. Cause that's what people want to hear. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's what's relatable too, right? Like everybody's had an ex. Everybody, even if you know, despite what your current situation mm-hmm. may be, yeah, you know, I, I feel like you almost have to have that conversation. Like, hey, look, there's a difference between my songwriter life and my actual life. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so I don't know. That's that's interesting. That's an interesting question. And actually. country music is naturally sad. Yeah, yeah so yeah. it's 
you know, you wake up on a rainy day and it's you want to write a sad song today, and you you think about other stuff from the past <laughs> yeah. or stuff that hasn't happened to you that you that uh, that's happened to other people, or you, you never know the situation. Yeah, yeah. yeah, that's funny. Speaking of sad, how did COVID affect Nashville last oh, year yeah. while you were down there? It was tough. Um, I moved in June, June the first week of June, June third, I think. I don't know, I might be wrong. Um, and that was right after the tornado hit. Mm. The tornado hit, I think, in March or somewhere around, I mean, right when COVID was, was getting strong. I mean, a lot of businesses shut down. Um, Nashville had a tough year last year. Plus, I mean, the bombing in Nashville on oh, Christmas yeah. Day, yep. um, that was tough for a lot of businesses. Um, it was really hard. A lot of musicians, um, I wasn't playing downtown on the main strip of Broadway yet, but um, I know a lot of people that, that, you know, a lot of people make all of their money playing live music and it hurt it hurt me too because i was still doing a lot of live stuff back home and um, doing some around around nashville but yeah a lot of people lost a lot of a lot of money they had to get side jobs that for people that weren't hiring yeah um uber driving a lot more <laughs> a lot of people were but uh it was tough for a lot of people um i'm glad a lot of people made it through it though yeah, that's that's a tough time to move down there. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's a tough time to do anything, really. Yeah. Think about it. So like um, you've been writing songs for a while now, right? Cuz I remember, I mean, Yeah, for about um 2020 probably since about 2016. Yeah. So 2015. Half a decade. Yeah, 2015, so, 2016. How do you feel about like the state of country, like where it's come from and like where might it be going? Cuz I mean, it feels like ever since like Garth Brooks kind of made mm-hmm. stadium country popular, that's kind of where it's been in that pocket for a long time. Now. Yeah. Um I feel like it's still around in some in some pockets of the world and there's so many subgenres now. Yeah, it yeah. was all it was all one way from the set, you know, up from the 60s up to the um, to the two thousands, even when, you know, nineties country was, is super popular now mm-hmm. and people are, people are trying to, um, replicate that, but there's so many sub genres. Uh, I mean, the, the names, bro, uh, bro country is popular. Uh, boyfriend country is another one. Sure. Um, and now there's like, uh, there's one that I heard the name y'all alternative. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah. Um, <laughs> or or punk tree, like people like there's that's that genre is really cool, and it's the the cool thing about it is it's it's really all in the writing. Yeah. Or if there's a fiddle or a steel guitarist in it is what makes it country yeah. for the most part. There's yeah. a lot of pop songs out that could be country songs. Sure. That's uh, I have you watched that uh documentary on Netflix about pop music? I watched the first episode. So there's one about country and kind of about how, you know, all, all country music demands is authenticity Mm -hmm. and, you know, people don't like change. They, but they demand authenticity. So even if they're a little abrasive to change, it's all basically the whole point of the documentary is like each genre is basically just pop music, you know, just a different sound, but it's all basically pop music. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, I think we go back and forth on what we really enjoy with country. And a lot of times like, we we kind of just demand authenticity. You know, we shit on Michael Bublé once a week. Yeah, every and week. This, every week. <laughs> and this week is no different because we're going to do it again because, <laughs> you know, he just doesn't feel authentic. And there's times that Taylor Swift doesn't feel authentic. Yeah. So it, people like Tyler Childers, who came up on a podcast a few weeks ago, you know, he's one of those guys that's like, that guy feels like he's telling the truth. Yeah, you fucker know? made right. me cry, dude. Like on my way over here, I cried listening to that song. We put a follow you to Virgie. Yeah. Oh, great song. Yeah, man. It, it got so me. So great. And I, I, it's funny because I'd been listening to it all week and it hadn't really affected me that way. And just something about it, listening yeah. to it in the car, I was on my way to do something. And I was like, oh, fuck. Oh, <laughs> it just got me. Something yeah. about the way he sang it and the way it sounded in my car and just what was on my mind. It just it got me. And I think the live version is the only, is that the only version? I think, I don't think it's there's the like one a, I know of. Yeah. I don't think there's another version of that song. Yeah, I think it's about his friend or something passing away. His friend's mom. Friend's mom, right? Yeah, it's magical. Um, and that, yeah, and that's another thing with it. Like, I don't know. I heard that like, like art is supposed to make you feel something. Yeah. I don't know. If, I, I don't know if Mark Twain said that or something. I, I'm probably completely wrong, but we'll go with it. Yeah, we'll go with Mark <laughs> Twain. Yeah, old Mark Twain said. This. If not, he's getting credit for it. <laughs> Hyphen Mark Twain, <laughs> hyphen Michael Scott, <laughs> hyphen Cody Gear, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, um, 
it, it's hard. It, it's sometimes hard to hear, you know, Luke Bryan, for example, it, it's just the name that gets thrown around. I know he's, he's a country dude, but a lot of the times it doesn't sound authentic. Mm-hmm. Um, I know he's being true just cause I know some of his background, but, um, there's, there's just guys like that, that, that get thrown around that, you know, it's, it's tough for probably tough for them to deal with that well, in the there, industry. There's gotta be a, a line where it's like, this is what the public wants to hear versus how authentic I can be. Mm. And I think that that's gotta be a really tough line to draw, especially for country music because mm-hmm. it is, it can be so personal and it is about storytelling at the, at the heart of it. And, but there is that kind of like, this is the pop culture side of the country. And so like, how do you kind of toe that line? I, I, I have a lot of respect for people that can make it work, even if it's not necessarily my cup of tea. Like it's, it's going to be something that, you know, if they're making money on it and they found some sort of secret sauce like that, that, that's as much as I hate Taylor Swift, like she found the sauce, like, you know, she, she found what worked and she, she hit it right in the, the, the sweet spot and she's been riding that wave ever since. So good for her. You know what I mean? Um, so, uh, I don't know, I guess, how would you handle that? Like, I mean, it feels like all your stuff is pretty personal still. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's, it's not like you, you're trying to do something different just to placate or to like play down to, but it, 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 I don't know. Is there, is that something you think about? Like maybe I should change this up to be more relatable. Yeah. To I can't topic? say, I can't say I've recorded anything that's, you know, all of my lyrics, I feel like I've been relatable to in some way or I've, or I've done in the past. Um, and I don't think I would change, you know, I, I feel like if there was something in a song that if, if there was a great song with a line in it that just didn't feel right to me, I don't think I would change it. Sure. I feel like I would leave it on the table for someone else to, to grab a hold of or something. Um, it's really just all about the song. Yeah. No, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a big yeah. believer in that too. Cause like I used to, I, you know, whatever I did, I used to write very like personal stuff, but I would never go back and edit it once I was done. Cause I kind of felt like that kind of killed the soul of what I was trying to say at the time. And yeah, I feel like there's a lot of that in like songwriting too. So I don't yeah, know. a lot of the stuff you're at, you're pretty much etching in stone and it's yeah. hard to, it's hard to change. It's, it's hard to go back and change what you've already got down on paper. Right. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago. It's like, how many parts of a boat do you change before it's a brand new boat? And like, I feel that same way about a song too. Like right. how many, how many different words or phrasings can you change before it's just a new song and it's not what it was originally. So it's an interesting thing to think about for sure. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Good. Thanks, thanks for the thanks for the insight. <laughs> That's all I had. You guys looked at me like I had the answers. I don't know. I don't think it was Mark Twain that said that. I think it was Don Hyden. It was. <laughs> now that I think about it, when we post this on Instagram, we're gonna have the longest like quotes. It's gonna go all the way down to me. I'm gonna start with Mark Twain, dishing it to Michael Scott, then to Cody, then to me. Um, here's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> what's it like playing on broadway good question it's awesome <laughs> thank you it it is so fun it's it can be exhausting but it is it's an absolute blast i mean the people down there that that i play with are just great at what they do it's it's hard to find stages anywhere else where, where people are doing the stuff that they are down there um even you know most of the time i'm playing for requests down there for tips yeah um some bars play it pay a base to some some artists but um, you know, so I do, I play a lot of requests and there's a lot of people requesting crazy stuff that I haven't heard. And since, you know, like early two thousands yeah. and it's awesome to like, just pull them songs up and play them. Um, cause I know I just have a big song book in my head and, um, I would just pull the lyrics up on my phone and play off that too. Yeah. But, I know uh, every time I go to a bachelor party, my buddies get drunk and want to hear Freebird, and we want to hear Semi Charm Life, and that's pretty much it. Yeah, I I play Semi Charm Life every time I play. <laughs> it's such <laughs> so a good song funny. to hear when you're drunk. Uh, it is. It's like it gets the people moving almost immediately. I yeah. feel like it's that and um, the the Killer song, Mr. Brightside. Yeah, yeah, um, that I can see for sure. Sugar, we're going down swinging. It's like those three. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> that's so funny, dude. I don't know. I just, I, in a place like Nashville, I don't feel like it's funny that those still permeate down there. I guess because you're getting people from all over the world. But Man, that last bridge on Sydney Charm Live. Yeah. Yeah. You just, you can shout it. Yeah. It doesn't even have to be right. It just yeah. it sounds good. And you can like half falsetto them. Good. <laughs> you don't have to be even on <laughs> key. Right. Just do it. Or just let the crowd sing it. Like, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. Just stick the mic out. When in doubt. Yeah. That's easier. Some drunk girl in a bachelorette dresses screaming it yep yeah that's that's got to be interesting do you normally play like on the first level or 
Because I know um, most of those bars are like three levels. Yeah, most of them are about three levels. It's pretty random. You don't usually don't. Um, you kind of don't really find out until the week of or something. They'll you'll just be on first, second, or third floor rooftop or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, most of the ones I'm playing at is like Jason Aldean's, uh, Luke Bryan's bar, um, Miranda Lambert's new bar, um, most uh, FGL House. Um, mostly those ones, but yeah, and those usually all those have a rooftop and. And different floors for different stuff. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So do you have like a manager or are you booking all the shit yourself? I just do it myself. That's got to be frustrating, I bet. It is. <laughs> it's it's hard to be, you know, the booking agent, the merch guy, yeah. the songwriter and the artist, the the music distributor to get it to Apple Music and Spotify and all that stuff. And yeah, it's overwhelming. It's it It always has me questioning like, all right, when is it time to get a manager yeah. to start doing this for me? <laughs> Have you entertained the thought of like getting a manager? I thought about to it. a record label. Um, usually like the label thing is like, they reach out to you kind of, mm-hmm. it's kind of, I, I want to do the independent thing for a while and see how it goes. Yeah. Um, it's more beneficial that way. Cause once you sign, once you sign the contract, it's, they own everything Yeah, for the most part. Yeah, it's pretty evident with they like have a the, say in the, everything. the Taylor's version, where mm-hmm. she's just re-releasing all her albums, yep. basically to make her own money. Mm-hmm. Like, right. it's been pretty evident for a very long time. You know, record labels are only out for number one, and you know, the only time I can think of them not is a movie. You know, that thing you do is the only time. <laughs> yeah, and even then, they were like, "We need you to make music, or you guys are like dropped." The Oneaters. Yeah, <laughs> the, the Oneaters. <laughs> Which is one of my favorite music movies of all time. I haven't seen it since like grade school. I love that movie though. Yeah, yeah. There's a podcast I listen to. They're from the hometown that that. Uh, really? Yeah. So at, they reference it all the time. So it's always on the front cortex. So I have to watch. I it. I need to rewatch it again. But um, yeah. Um, how do you feel progression wise? Like, what's the next step for you? Where do you Where do you feel like your music's going from all the way from you know your outskirts EP to now? I don't know. I'm I'm kind of trying to figure myself out a little bit. I'm I'm trying to stay on brand, I, I, as they say, um, with the genre. I'm kind of keeping with. I'm kind of I'm kind of staying more traditional, um, like a neo traditional, I guess, mm-hmm. type of country music. But um, I've even explored the thought of doing some more pop country type stuff. But um, which I've written a lot of pop country stuff too, and it's it just doesn't feel right to me for some reason. I don't know. Um, and I love, I mean, I grew up on all genres, rap, rock, um, a little bit of everything. So I get my influences from all over the place. And, um, when I sit down to write it, some, some songs come out super country. They come out super pop, super sad, super whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, it just depends. Um, I, I just like making music for me though. Is that something they encourage in Nashville, like breaking out of your genre, or are they like, "Hey, man, that they kind of want to keep you in country town. You yeah. need to be doing country." Yeah, it's kind of like whatever your style is. You know, if you're wear if you're wearing Vans and skinnies, like you're probably gonna be doing pop country. Yeah. Or if you're wear if you're wearing Justin boots and in a pearl snap Wrangler shirt, like <laughs> you're gonna be Texas country style. Yeah. It, it really depends. Well, how much how much of that is is do you like, and how much of that is is kind of annoying? Because I feel like I like as a a fan of metal, like there's so many subgenres of metal, and at some point I'm like, it's all just fucking metal. Like, why right. why are we arguing about what this is? Like, just enjoy it for what it is. Right. So, how much of an as an artist, from like the artist point of view, like somebody as somebody who's trying to make it, how how is that frustrating? Is it more helpful because you can kind of focus in on one thing? Like, wh- where is that line? Kind of. I mean, when you like sitting down to write, it's it's more you can kind of stay on topic and and master your craft of writing a certain way and and creating a song a certain way and having the right instruments and um, really just mastering that typical genre. Now, not, there's not necessarily anybody looking for certain genres, certain guys. Sure. Um, it's just, it's, it's honestly random when people make it, um, whether it's something from TikTok or if it's something just out of the blue where they just catch somebody in a, in a bar singing, um, doing some podcast from your hometown or doing a podcast <laughs> in your hometown. Yeah. That's right. And you know what? I, I've discovered so much music. That's like 
we, we talk about like how do people discover new music now and i feel like almost every song of the show i have is like i found this song on tiktok it's tiktok and or vivo i think and mm-hmm. it's like a paid ad too so i'm like scrolling i'm like oh well paid ad and then i'm like oh that song's kind of catchy and then you find yourself a very one click away you're on spotify and you're listening to new music and spotify is awesome too with the playlist yeah they are I mean, they're awesome n- the new music nashville playlist has helped me a ton i mean i had um before my two songs were even out i think i had like maybe 600 monthly listeners and uh, a couple weeks ago my spotify was up to 4,000 monthly listeners jesus so like it's it's cr- like people are finding me and finding my other stuff um the people that just that just happen to have their playlists added to their phone they just hit this hit the top song on the playlist and just run it down whether they're at work or something and i have plenty of playlists that that do that yeah like um there's like pop punk essentials so Mm -hmm. every week right it gets updated i go on there and click it and just new music you're hearing all the time and spotify is very good for that um is that something you had to submit for how does that work yeah it's a you spotify has like a like a pitching um like a pitching section to the artist's page for it. Yeah. Um, where you pretty much describe the song, where you're from. Um, you have to actually be living in Nashville to get on that playlist. And if it's good enough, the curators will listen to it and they'll put it on there and they'll, they'll put it however high or low on the playlist. They think that's kind of dope though. I mean, that, I mean to be individually curated like that must, yeah. must've been, must've felt pretty fucking good. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was awesome because I, my my single before this, I submitted it too, and it got nothing. Yeah. So like this time around, like getting on there was awesome. Yeah, man. It was oh, super yeah. cool. Congratulations on Thanks. that. Yeah, that's sick. Yeah. So, I mean, like, what is it? What does it feel like now that you're starting to get some traction? It feels like when you could going from 600 monthly listeners to 4,000, there's a huge yeah. jump. Like, like, how does that? I mean, just personally, how does that feel? Is it like vindication all of a sudden? Or yeah, yeah, it's it's kind of like like things are paying off. But I I don't know. I kind of just don't feel any different. Sure. <laughs> yeah, I I try to stay as humble as possible, and like I don't try to get my hopes up with a lot. Yeah. Does it like make you want to get out? Like, if you have some songs that you're like, oh, these are in post production, but you know, maybe I should push these out a little quicker because I need to capitalize on these listeners. Right. Yeah. The, the whole the whole reason I even put stamps out was because it kind of blew up on TikTok a little bit. I wasn't even, you know, it was just a song that I play at writers rounds and stuff. And it's a fun one that me and some buddies wrote down there, and um, it it got almost a hundred thousand views or something on TikTok. That, and when you got two hundred people in the comments saying like, "This needs to be on Spotify now." Yeah. Like I got in the studio like like four days after that and started it. And I was just trying to get it out as quick as possible, stuff like that. Um, but yeah, well, like when it's a demand like that, yeah, it's it's good to push it out as fast as you can. But some stuff it's worth sitting on, sending it to a couple people first, and getting feedback or or just sending it around to online ser- services and stuff. Yeah. Outside of country music, what kind of music do you like listening to? <sighs> I am like I'm so bad on listening to like. Stuff I grew up on, like I loved Lincoln Park growing up. Mm-hmm. Like my first CDs were like Eminem show, uh, Lincoln Park Meteora and Hybrid Theory. Yeah, and um, I think I think like a Tim McGraw or a Kenny Chesney CD was one of them. Like I grew up on a ton of stuff. Um, like my road trip songs are literally just a ton of Eminem songs. I'll just shuffle through until those are done. <laughs> And then I love butt rock too. Yeah. I, I, <laughs> the thing is like, I, I like butt rock too. I hate butt rock, but I also love it. Yeah. yeah. It depends on what mood I'm in. I love Metallica. I love, um, I love like kill switch and gauge. Like yeah. it just depends on what mood I'm in. Like if I'm just feeling super metal or now, super rap or now, you know, Dylan hates Eminem by the way. Really? I don't, I hate modern anything after 2012. I, I cannot stand Eminem. Do you see the the art in it though? Still, like, do you still see this talent that he has? I feel like sincerity's been lost. If I'm being That's honest, so crazy to me, dude. I don't, I, it feels so forced. If back then, like back in you know the Marshall Mathers days, it yeah. felt like this dude is fucking crazy. Yeah. And now it's like this guy knows he's on top, and he's just like trying to keep it. Yeah, maybe, yeah, and I can see that a little bit. It's it's one of those things. I don't know. I, I, he can't put out my name is again though. <laughs> yeah, like like, like no. songs like that just can't be redone. I feel like he's kind of I feel like he's also kind of walking a tightrope with some of the stuff he's you know, he can't he can't really rap about anything he was rapping about before. Yeah. Yeah. So, I 
you know, it, it's it's just me. You know, it, I'm I'm his biggest <laughs> critic, yeah. so you know, he's not trying to please me. But like the whole trying to rap fast and like I, everything just doesn't feel the same way it used to. And maybe well, that's me growing up. Well, yeah, but I'm he just, can't. Like you know, like he that back then when he had like a chip on his shoulder, like he had something to prove, and he had to. He was rapping far more aggressively because he had that chip. And now that he doesn't. It's not going to sound the it's, same. Obviously, it's kind of. I feel kind of the same way about Drake. Is like if you go back and listen to Drake's, you know, Take Care album, or even like his features with like Lil Wayne and stuff. Like he is like rapping at people. Yeah. And now it's just like he's great. Like whatever song he's on is getting to the top of rap caviar, and like it's it's going to have so many streams no matter what he's on. But like he's a lot different now that he's reached this superstardom. Sure. And I, I'm I'm sure it. it caters to a lot of people that are really into it but for me it's like i don't i i'm a pop punk guy like i i yeah. like it when it's underground you know and yeah. when it when it blows up and it's like in your face that much it's like i, I don't know I've, i kind of felt like you know i feel i feel like you're right too i think some artists suffer from burning too long i feel like it's sometimes better for to burn really brightly and then you know burn out quickly for a lot of artists so you can get remembered fondly some some of my favorite pop punk bands made three or four albums and then they broke up before they were 26 and then off they went and it was like dang i love going back and listening to these because they're perfect if they would have kept making albums they make eight or nine albums and you're like oh they're still making music you know and it's just it's not fair like blink Blink too yes yeah I love New Blink though. I do too, and I I got Kevin to like one song. Yeah, I still haven't I still haven't given him a shot. What did you say it was? Sober? Is yeah, that what it was? yeah. Uh, I love that song. Yeah, yeah, it was good. It was better than I expected it. To I be, love for sure. I love both of those new albums. I love the California album and Five. Was that the new? Nine, was that their new nine, one or Nine? Nine. Because it was yeah. album. Nine, I thought that was a great album too. Yeah, I love it. It's kind of it's. It's, I like it for the same reason you guys like current Eminem. It's like, oh, they're changing their ways, sure. and you know, it's kind of different. So I'm like, oh, yeah, I love them. I'll, they can do no wrong. But then Eminem does it, and I'm like, no. Thumbs down. <laughs> Fuck him. <laughs> you, know? you can't what? just have like the Tom DeLonge like, grudge against him like for leaving and like ruining the band. Like You yeah. kind of just have to like come at it with a new perspective. Well, that's, yeah. that's where with I'm the still new guy. at. I'm like, yeah. Fuck this guy. It's not Tom. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, I don't want to listen to this. It's not Tom. It's, but yeah. it's someone that has credence to it. It's a guy from Alkaline Trio. Yeah. He's been making music a long time. Yeah. It's not some like twenty-two-year-old kid. They're like, "Hey, you're gonna keep us hip, right?" <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's what Green Day did. Like yeah. Green Day never grew up, and I think that's why Green Day sucks. Yeah, <laughs> I have many many all thoughts. time they suck, huh? Like Dude, all time they this suck. This is an anti-Green Day podcast. I, really, I yeah. like Dookie. Dookie's about the only album. I grew up on Green Day too. Oh, so did I. And I, yeah. I used to love Green Day, but then as I got older, and I like, yeah, I think uh, "Wake Me Up When September Ends" that was the death of Green Day for good. American was, Idiot did. American it for Idiot me. too was a bad one. I think it was whatever was after that the, with Twenty One Guns and all that. Yeah. I think oh. I think oh. they're on was when the they end. did when they went Stadium Rock. Yeah, it's the same way Fall Out Boy. It's like, yeah, you you want your band to be successful, you want them to make money, but at the same time. It kind of feels like they sold out, and you're like, no. Well, every band no. does that, though, because like Metallica, one of my favorite bands of all time, I, I talked about it on last week's episode. They went through a very specific, very poopy stage of like tw- almost 15 years of making just bad, what I consider bad music. And then, you know, they came back, and their last two albums have actually been really fucking good. But, you know, they, they've been doing it for, what, 30, 40 years almost at this point? And, you know, so if you last that long, you're going to have a stretch where, like, you alienate some people, but you got to try and find something new because you can't do the same shit over yeah. and over again. So it's it's, it's that weird yeah. balance. Are you talking about like the Death Magnetic days? <sighs> no, I like Death Magnetic. I love that album. I'm, t- I'm talking about like load, reload, like in the middle of the yeah, 90s. Yeah, like, I see that. Um, I can see that. It, those, those albums just, they feel very, very commercial and it feels like they lost their soul a little bit. Like the black album was successful because it was more melodic than their new, their older stuff. And then, so they went full like radio friendly for like 10 years and then they released St. Anger, which is maybe the worst mixed album of all time. <laughs> it sucks, dude. <laughs> it's just all snare and cymbal. That's all you can hear the entire time. It sucks. Um, but no, like Death Magnetic is awesome. Like I yeah, I love. I, it got a lot of hate, is why I was saying that. No, but Death Magnetic is fucking great. Like yeah, I went, I, I, I played awesome. the wheels off that. I went when I went to go see him was on their Death Magnetic tour and fucking great, great show. Um, and great, they're still great. I still love Metallica. Right. Anyway, really, I, the I, the only reason I can see like selling out is like once you sell out, you're making so much money that you, then you can yeah. make the music you want to make. Yeah, it's Imagine Dragons. They don't give a fuck. Yeah. Put me on every car no. commercial. Put me in front of every commercial no. break. Yeah, but the the 
commercial clips between football timeouts. <laughs> yeah. But then five years from now, Imagine Dragons can be like, hey, we're going to reinvent our sound. Mumford and Sons did the same thing. Damn, they were like, sucks. I didn't like the first electric <laughs> album they made, but then they made another one and it was like, okay, this is perfect. They perfected it. I'll have to give it a shot because that first one really turned me off big time. Because those first two albums were perfect for me. Like I didn't think they, I've talked about it before. Where when those then that first album came out, that's exactly what I needed for music. And I think the music industry kind of needed something like that as well. It was like a shot in the arm. And then the second album just just made that first album even better. And then they come out and now they're Coldplay all of a sudden. I'm like, oh well, <laughs> it's, it's not <laughs> they, what I wanted. They've kind of <laughs> blended those two, and I think we're so critical of people like growing up as human yeah, beings. Yeah. And I, I'm sure that's hard in, in your world too. Like people demand, Hey, I want outskirts again, yeah. you know, play outskirts, mm-hmm. you know, uh, play hop the fence again. And you're yeah. like, no, I dude, I'm making new music. I'm not 21 anymore. You know, I'm, yeah, I'm in my mid twenties. I, I want to play new yeah. stuff. And, and, and from a musician standpoint, it's like, for me, I think that, my newer songs are a whole lot better than my older songs, but some people don't think that. And I think that's another thing, like why bands get burnt out. Like, um, you know, I think a lot bands fall off and, and artists fall fall off because they put out an album or a song that is just this high on the pedestal. And it's just hard to replicate that and, and stay that, that good. And, then I feel like they're just trying to play catch up because their next yeah. album fell off or it just wasn't as good as the last one. And it's, yeah, it's, it's different for everyone. I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. For sure, man. Uh, it's just, it's gotta be frustrating from an artist standpoint because you know, you want to grow, but it's like, I think once you release a song, that song is no longer expressly yours anymore. Right. So you have to kind of, it's now the public's, song as well yeah whoever whoever listens to that song it becomes theirs as well in some sort of weird way so um i don't know how do you feel about that as like an artist like have you ever felt that before or like um not yet i don't think yeah well sure but like i (laughs) mean once i get more streams and everything for sure i'm sure i will um i i think as long as i'm putting out music for myself i'll always stay internally happy but i'm not i'm not the one streaming on Apple music, Spotify and all that stuff. So like, I'm not really doing it for me. Like I'm doing it for other people yeah. and, and putting the stuff out for other people to listen to. So yeah, it's, it's kind of a double edged sword. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm just going to keep putting out stuff that I like and, Oh, well, if, if other people don't like it. Well, I think that, I think that makes the best music. Honestly. Yeah. Like I really do. I, 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 I really believe that. Like I've been, I think there's a point when you come to like a music listening in part of your life where you've listened to a lot of different shit and you really just start to appreciate just um, authenticity. And if somebody's doing something that they believe in, like I'll listen to some really wacky, weird shit and like, that is really hard to listen to and just objectively isn't very good musically. <laughs> like, if you look at this like by, from a musical theory standpoint, this is terrible and like hard to listen to and cacophonous, but if it's something somebody believes in, I think that is the most important part and that, that I can appreciate it from that point of view. So I think, I don't know. I feel like more mature musical listeners appreciate that more than anything. Oh yeah. So. Yeah. If you got the good ear for it, you appreciate it. That's, that's what the same thing with country. It gets a bad rap from a lot of people, but you know, it's, it's about your dog dying or your wife leaving you or yeah, whatever. Yeah, yeah. And, but, um, but people that know music appreciate it for, for what's good in it. Just like other genres. Yeah, I mean, like, I mean, I've been pretty open about how it's not my favorite genre of music, but I, I can appreciate it for what it is and how there are artists out. And I think what helps too is listening to artists talk about their connection to the music and their connection to certain songs and what their story is. And I think that always, every time I get really critical about country, I always go back and I listen to somebody talk about their story, and I'm like, oh yeah, shit, okay, that it's not. Just because I don't necessarily personally like it doesn't mean it's not authentic. It's I can I can understand that and I can appreciate the hard work and the effort that goes into it. And I think I don't know. I wish more people would do that with more genres of music. And I've I've kind of this podcast has kind of helped me check my own biases when it comes to like music because I used to hate the shit Dylan listens to, <laughs> and then he's just kind of forced me to listen to it. And as I listen to it with like a critical ear for the first time and not just like oh blah, this sucks it made me appreciate it so much more. And I'm actually starting to come around and like it more. And which is, which is a cool transformation. So. Yeah. I picked up a lot of music from you guys. I don't know if it was, when was it that you guys did like your favorite albums? It was probably queen city or something. 
because I think you guys had four four people. On. Oh, that was Dollar Beer Night. Yeah. Dollar Beer Night. That's what it was. And I listened to I listened to the albums that you guys had. The Mushroom Head one. Oh yeah, fucking Mushroom Head rocks. Dude. And yeah, it does. I <laughs> I've heard the name, but I never got into it or even thought about listening to them. But yeah, they freaking rocked. But um, I went back and I forgot about the Say Anything album. Yeah. Oh my god, I love that album. Yeah. I was so fortunate to have like people in my life when I was young that were like, I'm going to give you this CD and I just want you to tell me about it after the weekend. So I listened to it like front to back, burn it. And then you come back and you're like, dude, that was awesome. You're like, I know. Right. (laughs) And so like, that's kind of what this podcast is now is like, yeah, Hey, listen to this. I really like it. What do you think? And like, it's so it's there's kind of some tension. I don't know if you feel it too, Kev. When we walk in and like we've read each other's notes and we haven't <laughs> yeah. we haven't said anything yet. Well, especially if we disagree on an album. Like so I, we'll, we'll sit down and be like, "So what do you think?" And he's like, "I like it." I'm like, "Yeah!" yeah <laughs> it's yeah. like the best feeling in the world the, is to show someone music and they like it. Yeah, well, it's also the most awkward thing in the world to like show somebody like sit there like play something for them and just sit there and watch them listen to it. Yeah, because like it's awkward for you because you're like, "Oh, please like it," and then it's awkward for the other person. It's like, "Oh fuck, I have to like this," or I'm gonna have to tell them I hate it. So I think, you know, I don't know. I like that kind of dynamic. Yeah, it's kind of different than like showing a, like someone a movie because a good movie is a good movie. Yeah, sure. Uh, but like music, you kind of go through, a lot of people go through listening to music by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, where like I listened to, I, I watched a lot of um, like TRL and, and a lot of the, the music video stuff in the mornings before school and, and Lime, I grew like up in the LimeWire. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up in the LimeWire era. Oh, era yeah. So like I'd listen to a ton of music like by myself or I'd burn a CD and listen to my car. So like, yeah, it's a lot more awkward, like showing someone. <laughs> it's music. very personal. Too. It yeah, is. I think that is. I think that's weird. That's what I think. That's why I love music so much because it is a shared experience. Like it's awesome to go see a band live and share that experience with people. But you have to have that very intense personal journey with it first before you can feel comfortable. Like, I like this person and I'm going to spend money to be around people that also like this person. It's not like... I feel like it's the only thing that's like that. Mm-hmm. Like like you said, movies is a great example because you're just going to go see a movie regardless. Like if it looks cool, like you're not going to have, you're not going to sit there and you're not going to watch that director's like past five movies. Like, Oh, I don't know if I like his style or not. Yeah. And I think music is like the one medium that's really like that. It's like, I got to really make sure I like yeah, this person. And first. you can find out whether you like it in the first 20 seconds of the song or whatever. <laughs> yeah. The movie, you kind of figure out like halfway, three quarters right, of the way right. through whether you're into it or not. It, and music, kind of what we talked about earlier, like it feels so personal to you. Like mm-hmm. I like this song. This song encapsulates who I am. So if you don't like it, you don't like me. And so there's times where you know I, I think I, the Jack's Mannequin one yeah, is the one we we mentioned the most. Um, it was such a like formative song, or uh, the whole album was formative. And so Kev's like, you know what? I didn't. I found some things I liked in it, but most most of the time I didn't enjoy it. And I'm like. Well, I got a tattoo on my tricep of this song, so um, I guess we'll move hit on. Him, hit him right. <laughs> that was my least favorite song on the album, too, wasn't it? I think it yeah. was. I was like, I don't know, man. I just this is the one I just didn't like. You're like, well, here it's, it's on my body forever. Uh, like, oh, whoops. Yeah, <laughs> it happens. Scrape but it off. I think that's why this this podcast is like gaining traction, and why your music's gaining traction is like music is just such a universally cared about thing. So oh. it's it's really fun, man. Yeah, and no. everyone's looking for new music. Yeah, always. I, well, it's funny because I don't think that's true. <laughs> well, yeah. I think I think because I talked about it on our our episode from last week where um, I think that you get to a point. A lot of people get to a point where if you don't really care that much, because not everybody cares about as much about music as us three do, and I think that's hard to kind of like think about because we just never knew like not caring about music but there's some people out there like well i've listened to everything new that i wanted to listen to and then they just start playing the same shit over and over again i think it's right around when you start turning 30 it's like well i don't get new music anymore so i'm just going to listen to the stuff that i know i like and i it's it it really is depressing for me because i know there's people out there that literally only listen to acdc like the fuck is wrong with you? Like ACDC is fine. 96 Rock Man. is proof of that. Yeah. It's like, yeah, listen to 103.9. It's like they play the same shit over and over and over again. It's like, mm-hmm. and people eat that shit up. And I'm like, why? I mean, yeah, this stuff is good, but like, don't you want something different? Like, I don't know. I, it, it's It sucks. I hate it so much. <laughs> I think yeah. Like I guess me. you're right. Because when a, I remember like when it, I only listen to the radio when I'm here to 1027 normally or 96.5. Right. And it's, 
it's like when they throw a new uh, like disturbed song on, everybody's like, "What the hell is this?" <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's, God smack yeah, like oh God, fucking God put smack. back come come as you are by Nirvana I want to hear it in the next hour yeah they'll, they'll play the new one and then they'll play like 10 90s songs yeah yeah and and eight of them are Allison Chains if I don't hear Father of Mine within the next 10 minutes I'm coming down there personally beating you up I do love me some Everclear though. yeah well, me yeah. too it's it's happy music while being also incredibly depressing mm-hmm. because he's the most depressed person on the face. What's his name? Art? Is that the yes. guy's name? Yeah, he's just the most depressed person ever. <laughs> Father of mine is depressing, dude. Yeah. Uh, what do you have any artists down in Nashville? It doesn't even have to be Nashville, but do you have some artists for us to uh, to check out? Um, there are some good ones. Um, a lot of a lot of people. It, it's weird that I'll that some people will come visit me. Or I'll come back home and I'll have something on there and be like, "What is this song?" And I'm like, "Dude, it's so and so." Like, and they're like, "Who is that?" Like, it's a, it's weird. Like, I'm, I'm sure it's, it's like that everywhere demographically. I know it's like that in Texas and California. Like, people just listen to weird stuff. Um, my opinion, Hardy. I don't know if you guys have heard of Hardy. Um, his his real name is Michael Hardy. He he's been a songwriter for um in Nashville for a while now. Probably five years on a label or something, but, um, he is really picking up. He's doing like, like a rock kind of country thing. So, uh, Joey Moy, who was the producer for Nickelback is now signed to big loud, um, which is the label group who has Morgan Wallen, um, and a couple other guys like that, but Hardy's signed to that. And Joey Moy's the number one producer in Nashville right now, um, for all them. And, uh, his songs are just friggin' rocking and he writes all of his songs uh, with other people, but, uh, he doesn't cut any other song that he hasn't written. And his songs are just like real, just, just real country stuff. And it's like, some of them are super rock. Some of them are super like kind of older country stuff. Um, but he is awesome. He, he's one to check out. Um, I know you guys know Tyler Childers. That's, that's always a given. Mm-hmm. Um, really those two are just like all you need. <laughs> yeah. I swear. Hardy is awesome. Morgan Wallen's awesome. Which every, almost everyone knows that. Yeah. Um, those are the only two I can really think of. There's a lot of lower, lower, lower end guys that are on smaller record deals I love. Um, but yeah, those are those are the two main ones for sure. Yeah, for our our next week's podcast, we're doing basically all Ohio bands and Ohio yeah, I saw artists. That. And uh, yeah, that that was something that was really cool for us because. In your little pocket of Nashville, you know artists that we would never know. Yeah. And the kind of same goes for us as like some of the artists that we talk about on uh, next week's episode was like, it's just crazy that some people have never heard these because it just seems like so synonymous with Cincinnati. And, and when you're enveloped in that world, it doesn't seem like there's any like, how do people not know this? You know, it's 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 one of those really interesting things of where you're located is really integral to the music you listen to. Yeah. I need to comment on that post. I know like five or six off the top of my head. <laughs> well, it's it's funny too because like uh, one of my favorite band names ever, Naked Karate Girls. They they all, yeah. they've been Cincinnati Legends forever, but yeah, they mostly they only play covers. I don't even know if they have their own shit, but I, I love don't either. I love watching go see them live. I used to watch them. They're fun. They're, they're yeah, they're a lot of fun. They're really good live performers, but like. That's like something you could never, you couldn't even go to like Columbus and talk about like Naked Karate or like Dayton or whatever. Like mm-hmm. probably don't, probably people in Mason don't know about them. You know what I mean? It's just, I, I think there's something cool about like a local music scene like that. Yeah. Just Nashville is like a local national. Yeah. So. Yeah. And that's the thing with, you know, going back and saying like everyone's welcoming, like everyone's like a lot of people are sharing other people's music and listening to everyone's music and yeah. you write with a bunch of people. Um, Stamps, I actually wrote with another Ohio artist that lives in Nashville. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a weird bubble down there of, uh, a bunch of different music. Cool. You got anything else? That's all I got. You want to do songs of the show? Yeah. Yeah. You got any questions for us before we go? Yeah. Um, oh, I do. I thought of one question. Is there some, is there like a well-known band or artist that you guys have like not dove into? Like that you, maybe you're like, for example, mine is the Beatles. I don't understand the hype, but I've also like, Wowzers. I also have only heard the songs that everyone knows, yeah. really. I can I kind of get that. Like, yeah, I know you're not a huge Beatles fan either. I grew I, up with the Beatles, so I, I'm, I'm I, a huge Beatles head. I like the Beatles, but like, I, I don't think I'll ever understand the Beatlemania 
because yeah, we don't understand a world without the Beatles. You know, right? We don't we can't grasp a world before the Beatles. So it's like to us, it's like oh yeah, they've they've always been around and their music's like okay. But when you're the influencer like that, like. It's hard to understand. The yeah, and they, they, I think a lot of it too is if you look at somebody like the Beatles, like the way they the recording techniques they were using at the time on like Sgt. Pepper and Abbey Road, those were like groundbreaking for the time. But they are just kind of status quo now. Like having songs run together and like but them be separate tracks. That's something you just didn't hear because it just wasn't done at the time. It's like you got to have separate tracks. But like on Abbey, like the back half of Abbey Road, like oh, they all just kind of run together and. Yeah, I, I have a bad opinion on them, but I've I've never dove into a single album of theirs or heard anything past uh, "Come Together." Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. like I only know those songs. So, I is there anyone like that that like like someone well known that we just don't Let, understand? Um, or Pink Floyd was another one for yeah. me, but I dove into Pink Floyd and was like, "Oh, dude, I, yeah, I understand." You get it? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, some foreshadowing for next week. Uh, we talked about Black Keys. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Huge band, and Kevin put them on a uh, playlist for next week, and I was like, "Oh shit!" Like, I have not hardly scratched the surface with them. So that that would be a good one. <clears throat> because uh, I'd listened to their lead singer's like um, solo stuff, and I was like, I'd been listening to it for years. His name's Dan Auerbach, and he makes like Americana music, and it's like good to like drive around at night and stuff. And I was like, "Oh, this is awesome!" And I was like found out today that that's their lead singer and i was like whoa hold on i've totally had a bad perception of this band and kind of thought of them as like radio rock and then here i am you know eating crow yeah i mean for me it's probably drake like i never got drake i never understood drake i never really got why he was so popular but i've never really dug in either yeah to me it was always like because i would see what i saw and it was like this fake tough guy that's kind of what i always saw drake as but I've never really dug into his music either. I just kind of always wrote him off. But I know like there's a lot of people that have a very high opinion of Drake. And I know he's incredibly talented. But I just never personally got it. Like I never understood the whole hype behind Drake. And I see it. That's that's kind of an era thing too, I feel like. Yeah, probably. He, I'm an old He's head. changed a lot now than yeah, like we were saying earlier. Um like what yeah, his his first one was uh Best I Ever Had, which like some of his songs are just super super slow and R and B type but some of them are just like rap his fucking ass off and just like yeah. like killing people and right. he's probably never killed anybody he's <laughs> yeah, from right. he's from toronto and right <laughs> i just I, I, like i because i come from an era of gangster rap where like you had to be hard all the time or you had to be boys to men or something like that you know you had to choose one or the other you couldn't be boys to men and then go be an nwa you know what i mean and yeah. it felt like he was trying to walk that weird line so to me it just came off as unauthentic Whenever I would like listen to his shit, I'm like, no, you can't, you can't have both, bud. But he, I don't know, he figured it out. And I, I really do think I need to go through and kind of at just least listen the first to couple his shit. Albums. Yeah, I need to go back. Uh, Lil Wayne is another one of those too. I just never kind of quite got him. Mm. Lil Wayne is just like it's kind of like Weezer. Like he has so much stuff that you're like, I gotta wade through so much shit to. And I think that's why this podcast is good. Is like we pick albums at a time so we can. We can digest it one album at a time yeah. rather than like the whole discography. Cause that's kind of how you originally started doing off the beaten cliff as like listening to an entire artist discography. Yeah, and dude, that's, that, dude, that's that daunting. Sucked. It sucked <laughs> writing that, writing that <sighs> blog. That's why I only wrote two, two, two <laughs> blogs. Cause it would take me legitimately like eight, nine hours of, my, of a day. And I'm like, I just, I can't do this anymore. <laughs> well, I remember asking you like, when's the next off the beaten cliff coming out? And you'd be like, ugh. That's yeah, all you uh, said. Yeah, that. I don't know, dude. I don't fucking know. But that was the last one I did. Q-Tip, I think. Yeah. Or no, I did Tribe Called Quest. And that one was tough. Mm-hmm. And then I did Mars Volta, which is... We're going to do a Mars Volta album at some point. Because I went back and listened to some of their shit the other day. And it's uh, it's challenging, for yeah. sure. But it's it's interesting. They have long title names, too. Like Fall Out Boy, don't they? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They're, <laughs> yeah. they're very, very I've heard, pompous. I've heard some. Yeah. Uh, they're, I mean... They're just the name of their name, albums, like Comatose Moratorium. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? <laughs> Octectrahedron. Or they're just—they're fucking weird, but they're very, very pompous. But they're good too. They have a lot of their songs run. They have one of their songs is like a thirty-two minute runtime on uh, Francis the Mute, which is a great album. But it's just—it's so so fucking long. Yeah, <laughs> there's just just too long. There's just bits in between that make no sense. But it, they're one of those bands where you have to listen to them. 
their albums front to back to really understand the concept. I don't know. It's high. It's high art, which is always snobby. Mm-hmm. But if you can kind of just el- eliminate the, like this is fucking stupid out of your mind, like you can start to appreciate. Yeah. So. Do you like any of the any of the new gangster rap? I've been trying like, to get back into rap, and like, I I, I know I, I love Lil Nas X. I know he's not gangster rap, but I fucking love that dude. I just love his whole personality. I love like that he just doesn't give a fuck. I think that's what's yeah, cool about it. It is cool. I haven't I haven't really given new hip hop a whole like I like uh, I don't know like Kendrick. I like a lot, mm-hmm. um, but I wouldn't consider him new anymore. But like, are you into like the baby and the baby's good? Yeah, like I, I listened love- to a little bit of the baby. I actually really liked it. It's funny because my my wife's nephew is eleven and. I'll talk I'll talk like rap with him and it's just like crazy what he listens to and likes compared to what I listen to and likes. Like when I listen to the baby, he doesn't like the baby. He likes like like young boy uh NBA and and those guys. That's my problem with new hip hop is but, their names are so fucking terrible. Oh my god. Like the baby is such a bad name. And young boy NBA got in trouble for using NBA of so he did. so it's young boy never broke again. Like yes they do the whole name on everything like i bet the festivals hate it putting his name oh, yeah down. you can't put him on there he's not gonna headline like <laughs> yeah <laughs> you gotta use like size eight font to get him across the whole yeah. line <laughs> i can only head. get into those guys though like money bag yo is like a new one that's like kind of gangster rap a uh, little dirk yeah those ones i like but like the kids aren't really listening to yeah well <laughs> like, it's like denzel curry i love but like uh, yeah I, I don't he's know, great a lot of people don't listen to him i mean he i mean the people listen to him for sure but i don't know he's like the new face of hip-hop for me is denzel curry he's kind of leading the way also because he he raps about anime all the time so of course i get into it <laughs> it's like hell yeah he's a nerd like me so he still hasn't really broke mainstream yet Not really. either i feel like he's on the cut he's just on the cut that's why i love chance the rapper so, for so long yeah. and until he went mainstream and it, it's just kind of hard when when guys go mainstream yeah yeah it's tough i mean same thing happened with cuddy like Cuddy got, yeah. just got really weird. Now he's just like a samurai swordsman. He just goes out something. to the woods and just like swings his. Uh, he's fucking weird. Yeah, something. Anyway, yeah. Maybe he's maybe he's anime now. <laughs> it's possible. Maybe, maybe he just always maybe. was. <laughs> <laughs> just needed to go crazy. I just remembered um, Hardy. Uh, Casey Musgraves is awesome. She is awesome yeah. in Nashville. I don't know if you guys have heard any of her stuff. Um, and Cameron Marlowe is awesome. He he just signed a record deal last year. I met him like right when he signed it and like really didn't even know it was like him, but uh, he is, he's awesome. He's kind of on the come up too. I'm a huge fan of Casey Musgraves, ex-husband, uh, Rustin Kelly. You've oh yeah. Listening? Yeah. I love, I love yeah. his music. He's great. Cause it kind of blur. It's, it's definitely y alternative. Yeah. Cause he had an EP called dirt emo and Oh yeah. We listened to one of those not too long ago. Yeah. yeah he covered the Taylor Swift all too well. That's right. Yeah. And, yeah, he's one of my favorites. He's great. Yeah. You guys want to do Song of the Show? So uh, hold on. I'm going to go through your list real quick because I typed them out. Let's do it. We got Hardy, Casey Musgraves, Cameron Marlowe, Tyler Childers, Morgan Wallen. Yeah. You comfortable with that list? Yeah. Okay. I think so. All right. I'm sure there's a thousand more, but I can't think of <laughs> I can't think of any more right now. All right. Uh, we'll let you go for go first for uh, Song of the Show. Song of the Show, uh, Stamps by Cody Garrett. It just came out <laughs> last month. You're going to hear it in the intro and you're going to hear it at the end. Yes. That's a good one. Yeah, I love it. Yeah, you got to plug your shit. You know. Yeah. That's the, yeah. Is this is this your first media spot? <laughs> yeah, it's one of them. <laughs> if you want to call it that. Yeah. Um. Yeah. No. Give it a listen, guys. I mean, Cody's a cool dude. I've known you for a long time. Now. Yeah. I mean, what? I mean, it's you, a while. Like a while. Like it feels like the Nike days were like recent, was, but they weren't. No, I, no, no. It was over twenty almost 14, 10 years ago. 2015 or something. Yeah, almost ten years ago. Yeah, twenty fifteen. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. So crazy. yeah. But yeah, no, it, it, like seriously, you know, if you want to support a uh, a guy do really, you know, giving his best and doing some cool shit, give Cody a listen. He's yeah. a cool dude and he Thanks. deserves it. Yeah, and you know, you want to be one of those people who's like, I listen to Cody way back in the Stamps days. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Deep cuts only. When I go see Cody Garrett, I yell, "Play Stamps." <laughs> it's from a song five years ago. Now he's selling out stadiums. <laughs> What you got, Kev? Uh, I'm going to do a Crazy Game of Poker by OAR. I've taken this off a couple playlists already. Um, and I, I think it's just, I've, I've, it's, I hate jam bands, but I love OAR for some reason, like especially their earlier stuff. Um, and I listened to that recently, and I'm like, yeah, this song, it's still really cool. It takes me back to college. And I, it, it's a, one of those songs that puts, always puts me in a mood to just kind of slug some beers and uh, have a good time. Yeah. So, yeah, let's go with that. 
Crazy Game of Poker by OAR. I think we talked about it a couple times during the live album and we've certainly talked live about playlist. it, but I've never actually had it officially on a playlist. Yeah. I think I took it off of my Zen playlist actually because I had it on there and I took it off. Your Zen playlist was so fucking crazy. Wild. Yeah, that's what you get. <laughs> uh, my song is Criminals by The Elevators. E L O V A T E R S. Did you just uh, make that up? I, I wish I that, did. <laughs> you said that like you're just making it up off the top of your head. No, um, this band. It's I like heard, the Oneaters. The Oneaters. The el- elevators. <laughs> the Elevators. <laughs> um, they're one of those bands that I heard one of the artists I follow on Spotify or on uh, Instagram posted them like getting to hang out with the Elevators, and I was like, Elevators. That's a cool name. So I clicked on them, listened to them on Spotify. And it's beach music. And if you know me this time of year, I love two things. I love beach music and I love ska. So and if it's beach music, I'm going to put it as my song of the show. I think it's been pretty much the running gag for the What summer, is ska? Right? I've heard you say it's on like the podcast. Mighty, mighty boss tones. Like, never had to. Oh. Just picture trumpets and like the same guitar over and over again. It's basically like pop punk with trumpets. Yeah. And it's only good this time of year. It's only, good. It's, only good. it's only good in like June, July. Come August, you're like, all right, fuck Skull. Dude. Yeah. Fuck it. I don't want to hear it ever again. Yeah. And I'll do it all again in May. You know? It's great for about 10 minutes. And then you're like, oh. I'm in. Yeah, it's, it's a very quick, like, this is fucking awesome. I'm like, oh no, this sucks. I <laughs> might have been lying. Yeah. Well, Cody, thanks for coming on, man. Yeah, man. It's thanks been a lot of fun. Me. Uh, you're always welcome back. Anytime you're in town, you're you're always welcome to come yes. on. You can do you can pick an album next time you come on and we'll we'll talk about an album. Oh yeah, dude, that'd be a blast. Yeah, yeah. That'd be so much fun. I love I love podcasting. I always talk about with like friends here and there, like we should start a podcast. We should start a podcast. And you guys did it. Just got to do it. <laughs> and well, it's Dylan, awesome. Dylan's That's why I love listening. It. Yeah, it's it's a lot of fun. Like I yeah. was very apprehensive, but I've never told Dylan this, but I was really jealous of Jeremy when he decided to do Jeremy instead of me for the first for the no nonsense <laughs> podcast. And so I was I, I didn't say anything about it because I didn't want to see like sour grapes. But I'm I'm really happy that we did it because I do enjoy doing it. And it's it's one of those things that kind of just like happened organically because once the uh, once the pandemic kind of happened, we didn't see a lot of our friends. We were doing yeah. Dollar Beer Night. It felt like it was like moving somewhere. And Kevin and I just like kind of found ways to hang out. So we podcasted like once a month and come the fall, we were like, dude, all we talk about is music. Why don't we just do a music podcast? So, and if, if kind of feels like this is exactly where we should have been all along. So it's, it's been fun. I've really, it feels like you and I just get to hang out. We've become better friends through it all. Yeah. We make that joke a lot. It's like, we only do it so we can hang out. We have an excuse to hang out for an hour a week. Yeah. But I think that's, that thing that's part of what makes it cool is like, you know, I look forward to doing it, and uh, it's fun. Yeah. So if you feel like starting a podcast, just do it. Oh yeah. yeah. You can do it for what? What did you guys spend? What was like a Less couple, than couple hundred bucks? bucks. Yeah. Not even I've got that. a lot of this music equipment already. So, yeah. And I've had the anchor app for about six months, just sitting <laughs> in my phone. <laughs> just find <laughs> something. Not really trying to figure it out much, but. I mean, that'd be cool. I think you. I think you've got a couple of, like built-in cool ideas. Like just. Sit I would down, love to. Yeah. Sit down with people in Nashville and just talk yeah. talk about their story. Yeah. Like, hey. This is the Nashville story. You know I think I could I mean? do some solo episodes too, and just yeah, yeah. I, I talk to myself all day. So <laughs> I, this, the the thought of a solo episode terrifies me. I don't know how people do it. Like Bill Burr does it like twice a week, yeah. and I don't know how he does it. But Theo Vaughn does his all the time. I I I wear his podcast out. <laughs> I think you just have to have a producer like nodding along with you. Yeah, then you're like, okay, someone is listening. Yeah, I'm not just talking to myself, or just be a crazy person too. Yeah. Like I think that helps. But yeah, I don't know. I I, I just I don't know. I couldn't do it. Like. I had enough time, hard enough time writing a blog where I just felt like I was arguing with myself. I'm like, this sucks. <laughs> this sucks so bad. It's so hard. So, so yeah, man, thanks for listening. Everyone go listen to Cody Garrett on Spotify. I'm going to attach uh, a little playlist I've made of all his music. So if you want to listen to the entire discography or if you want to listen to his new single stamps, it's going to get shoved down your throat because you know, we're doing it in the intro. We're doing it at the end. So uh, thanks again, Cody. Thanks Thank for you, man. On. Thank yep. you guys. All right. We'll see you guys next week. Bye. Oh
like that Lord knows I can't dance But if he gave me a chance I would take her by the hand And spin her around that dance floor Well, we make it longer than a one-night stand Or are we fading away like the stand On the back of our hands of our hands.